Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Monday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producers G. Hey Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this beautiful Monday? It's MLK Day. Of course it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I agree. MLK Day, awesome day. Also, LeBron James Guarantee Day. LeBron guaranteed us that things are going to get better in Laker Nation. So I'm excited <laughs> to see that transpire. You know, they can't really get a whole lot worse, quite frankly. I mean, this was as bad as you're going to get. I mean, again, normally on a Monday following uh, playoff games this weekend, you would begin by talking about you know, all the playoff games, and we will get to that shortly. But we do have to bring this up because this game took place uh, over the weekend, and it really was rock bottom. You can't get more rock bottom than the Lakers' performance against the Nuggets. I was watching that game. I, I was kind of flipping back and forth. The Bills game, uh, that was a blowout. And then I looked at the Lakers-Nuggets game. Lakers down by 40-plus points to the Nuggets. This was one of those moments where you're like, uh, is this team even trying? What's going on over there? I mean, listen, uh, this has been a struggle. This has been a tough season. But there's no excuse, Armani Buckets, for losing to the, to the Denver Nuggets by over 40 points. If you have a Twitter account and you don't have Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams Charania's tweets on notification, you should, because I think something is going to go down soon. I mean, this team cannot keep the same roster together at this point anymore. Something has got to happen, even if it's something minor on the outside, on the outskirts of the roster. Something needs to happen to shake things up because, you know, they had a four-game win streak. You're starting to feel better, although none of those four were against anybody over 500. They haven't beaten anybody over 500 since, I believe, mid-December. So almost a month now of just beating up on bad teams and losing to anybody that resembles a good team. Yeah, I've been listening. They they had won four straight games. They had won uh, five of six. Everyone was thinking, okay, you know, maybe uh, you know this is the uh, turnaround. Maybe they'll go on a run here. Not only have they lost three three straight games, they lost to the Grizzlies. They lost to the Sacramento Kings. And then the, the, again, the game that we're talking about, one thirty three ninety six blowout loss to the Denver Nuggets where they were down by over 40 points in the second half. You can't have a game like that. And I think everyone, when they when they watch this game, are saying, well, you know, LeBron had a good game. Russell Westbrook had a good game. Again, LeBron, 25 points, had nine rebounds in that one. Uh, but just a, a, a big issue there 
when you're just looking at, at when you look at the stat line, what jumps out to you? To me, it's it's just weird because Malik Monk had this stretch where he's scoring 20, 21 points a night. And then it's just the inconsistency with me. He gets five shot attempts against the Nuggets. It's like, are you going to make this guy a part of like the offense in a big way going forward? It's very inconsistent. And then that's not to mention that they're giving up, it seems like 130 points a night. They gave up 133 to Denver. It's clear that the LeBron at five thing, you know, it gets you going offensively, but it's clear that you can't defend with LeBron at the five. They're just too small. And then the problem is that Dwight Howard, he had a decent game, but him and DeAndre Jordan don't get, inspire a lot of confidence in you when they play center. So I don't know what the solution is besides making a roster change. Even yeah. if it's a minor one, something's got to change here. There's no doubt about it. This this team has to make some moves. Unfortunately, G. Hey, there, there's not a whole lot that they can do with the roster and the contracts. No one's going to take Russell Westbrook's contract as much as they would love to move him. So a lot of the moves that they're probably going to have to make are smaller moves. I, I don't know if they're going to cut players and just bring guys in. You have to change things up. You have to change things up. Certainly when you've lost three straight, you're below 500 and you get blown out the way that they did to the Nuggets, they have to change something. Yeah, I'm actually wondering if they are going to really, truly change Russell Westbrook's role. Like, is that is that going to really happen? Are you going to maybe... I, I know it's a, it's a hefty change uh, considering that he takes such a chunk out of, uh, out of the Lakers' payroll, but do you bench him? Do you, do you stop... Do you, do you stop playing him? Like, what what do you do with with Russell Westbrook? Because you can't you can't really do that, right? With his uh, considering his role. Yeah, I mean, listen. I mean, he's making over forty five million dollars this year. He he was brought on to be one of the superstars of this team, part of the big three. But you're right. I mean, I I think the most logical role, and people have talked about it for quite some time, is you know put him in that sixth man role, bring him in off the bench. Now I don't know how he's going to accept that role. I do have to think at, at, at some point in time, when you're a below 500 team, you have to do something like that. Something drastic. I, I agree. I just want to see who is the guy that's healthy right now. I would think that the guy that would replace him in that role would be Kendrick Nunn. The problem is, I don't know if we're ever going to see Kendrick Nunn healthy this season. I mean, we've heard reports that he's very close to coming back, but I feel like those reports have been circulating for like a month, month and a half now. Yeah. Um, I hope he does come back soon. But I, looking up and down this roster, if you were to take Westbrook out, and I agree that he should be the sixth man. I just don't know who on that on that bench are you going to replace him with? Is it Austin Reeves? Who, yeah. who, would, who would you say? No, I mean, because here's the thing. You, you're not making this move necessarily because there's someone that they're going to put into that role who's going to, you know, play better than Russell, but you have to change up these, these, uh, these starting lineup and Russell Westbrook right now, it doesn't fit into this team. The problem is, as we've mentioned before, there's nothing that they can really do about that. They're not, uh, listen, obviously they're not going to cut them, but they, they can't trade them. There's no one who's going to take on that, that contract. So when you talk about trying to figure out how he can fit into this team, Maybe in a six-man role, maybe in a different rotation. I mean, you at this point in the season, below 500, three-game losing streak and getting blown out by 40 points by the Nuggets, you have to try something. Now, I want to preface this by saying this was Westbrook's probably best game in a while. He wasn't yeah. 
he wasn't bad, I want to say, against the Nuggets, but the whole team was bad. Is there any chance that you guys think that he could maybe get bought out of his contract at some point? I mean, the problem there is like he, he just makes way too much. I mean, this is now one of those deals where, you know, uh, he's making 20 or something. Again, he, he's one of the highest paid players in the league, over $45 million this year, over $47 million year two. Um this this made no sense. Again, when you talk about winning a championship, generally speaking, it's hard to find a roster where all the pieces fit together and everyone knows their role. And that team that won a championship in Florida was so especially tight and they were close and they spent 100 days there in Florida and they won a championship. And for whatever reason, they, they, they took a sledgehammer to that roster. And I, I, I get that, that Harold didn't fit in. So if you wanted to do something and I'm not saying Kuzma could have done what he's doing right now in Washington with the Lakers, but they wanted so badly to move on from Kuzma and KCP and Montrez Harold and, and, that team, so when you go to last season, there was no offseason. They had 70 days off, the shortest offseason in professional sports history, to regroup. And when that team was healthy, they were the number two seed in the league, not just in the West. They were right behind the Jazz, and I don't think anyone was concerned about the Jazz. So when they lost in the postseason to Phoenix, I said the number one thing that they're going to gain this offseason is rest. They're going to have a full offseason. And in fact, it actually helps them to lose in the first round because they have the entire uh, full offseason to get healthy. And they just wanted to move on from that team, a team that A, had won a championship, B, the following year when they were healthy, when you saw them in March, when they were healthy, they were the number two, they, they had the number two record in the league. And now they're kind of back at square one where this kind of reminds me of LeBron's first year here where... They got LeBron James. He's playing well, but like, what the heck does it matter? Because they are a sub 500 team. They are a team that if they make it into the postseason, it's as a, um, is in that play in tournament. Uh, you know, there was a moment there where we, we, we were kind of cautiously optimistic that maybe they could be the five seed and maybe they can get lucky and play Memphis. And by the way, Memphis is such a good team right now. Uh, they, 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 they look like they might not even be the four seed. I mean, what is the best case scenario for this team right now? The best case scenario, in my opinion, is if Anthony Davis comes back and plays like bubble Anthony Davis and you know what? And Kendrick Nunn plays like he did in Miami. That's the best case scenario. Now, where does that take you? I don't think it takes you that much further than you are right now. I think it might, again, take you to being better than the Dallas Mavericks, the Denver Nuggets. I, I don't think Denver is that good, despite their their butt whooping that they put on the Lakers the other night. You know, where does it take you? We've been going back and forth with this team all season, and I, I still think that they're right there at 500. I think they're going to have more moments of maybe – you know, oh, wow, they're turning a corner here and then followed up by boom, falling flat on their face yet again. Tonight they play Utah. And that's a game that, again, LeBron tweeted that things are going to get better. Um, We were talking about this off air is that LeBron had a had a similar kind of tweet in his first season with the Lakers. I don't remember the exact tweet, but um, following the tweet, he he basically said that things are going to get better. 
not in those exact words, but that was the moral of it. And then immediately they, they went on a long losing streak. So we'll see what happens. The Utah Jazz are currently in third and that game tonight, you know, another opportunity for them at home. And MLK Day in the NBA is a big, oh, yeah. is, a, is an important day. So that game will, will have a little bit, I think, added significance being that it's on this day against a good team. And LeBron's tweet, I think, is going to definitely either cause people to <laughs> laugh at them after the game or maybe give them some props. But I'm excited to see how they perform tonight. Yeah, I mean, big game for the Lakers and the Clippers both play today at uh, Crypto.com Arena. The Lakers right now are 21 and 22, again, below 500. The Clippers are 21 and 23. They both sit in the eighth and nine slots. Uh, again, seven through 10. Once again, you're in that play in tournament. And I think that's where both teams will will finish just because the West, again, is so terrible where at Portland at 10 is 17 and 25. So I, I think, you know, worst case scenario, I mean, they, they will be in that play-in uh, tournament. Um, G.A., real quick about your uh, Clippers. I mean, I, I think if, if, if things prove to be true where uh, Paul George is going to be out for the year and perhaps joining Kawhi going to be be out for the year. Um, you know, uh, there's there's really not a whole lot that the Clippers can do, and I wouldn't really push them to do uh, like a huge move. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I think that with with the Clippers, it's all about just seeing what's going to happen health wise before the trade deadline. Because if nothing is going to happen, then maybe you know you try to get a first round pick for for a rotation guy. But, you know, with the NBA right now, I don't even know what the trade market is because you have a guy like a Cam Reddish, for example, who his trade value was supposed to be very high, a young, promising player. And he went for a protected first round pick, which basically sets the market as like, if you're going to trade a guy to get assets, you might not be getting much, if anything, back. So maybe it would actually benefit a team like the Clippers, who has championship aspirations, just not at this moment of time. Yeah. Maybe it would just benefit them to just keep their guys, get them healthy. Again, they don't have their first round pick this year, so just go for it. Do whatever you can this season, probably not much. Um, and then get guys like the young guys on the team some playoff experience and then just retool with almost the same team for next season. Because right now the trade market, again, maybe it was just that one trade, but I think that teams are going to get lowballed at the deadline. So oh, yeah. that probably doesn't benefit the Clippers um, in that sense. But like you said, Arash, I think that both teams right now are definitely looking at the play-in tournament. My only concern, and I don't think this is realistic, but if either of them starts sliding a little bit more, we're looking at the standings right now, and Sacramento is in 11th, and they're four games behind the Clippers. Is there any chance that they can slip all the way out of that play-in tournament? I mean, there's a, a, a chance because right now uh, Portland's three games out, and then Sacramento at uh, is 17. You know, so there's a four-game difference there. I think it could happen. Certainly, if Paul George is going to be out for the year and Kawhi, they they just shut him down. So. Uh, it could happen. I do think the Lakers and Clippers will finish um, in, again, whether it's 9 and 10, but they'll be in that play-in tournament. What that means, I mean, who the heck knows, because I, I can't imagine um, either one of those teams right now <clears throat> doing a whole lot. Um, again, the focus, though, <laughs> for yesterday, again, was on 
the NFL playoffs uh, this this uh, this weekend, certainly, and uh, the game that everyone's talking about, and it came right down to the very last play and non-play, was the Cowboys 49ers game, and, and again, uh, this was sort of a renewal of one of the best rivalries in professional sports, and you know, what, what I cannot wrap my head around is you cannot have a draw in that situation, uh, G. and by the way, G, I'm sure you're, you're, you're thrilled that the Cowboys lost, Philadelphia lost, so listen, the, the Giants are are not in the playoffs, but the, your two divisional teams are not. But you cannot have a situation there, no timeouts, uh, you know, 12, 13 seconds left on the clock. When you have a, a quarterback draw, way too many things can happen. And we saw the biggest one is you get the ball placed and you have to spike the ball. I mean, that all takes time. And, and so while it was great that he picked up however many yards he did, when you don't have a timeout, you cannot risk it by having a quarterback draw and again so many things can happen again a, a, a defender can can want to not to you know push you down or not to get up fast enough and uh the, the end of that game was such a kind of a a, a perfect one for the cowboys because they they want to blame the officials it's not the officials fault jihei right i mean they I mean they 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 blew that game yeah unfortunately what what a <laughs> You're right, Rosh. I uh, 100% was so ecstatic, first and foremost, that the Cowboys lost yesterday. Um, I actually want to go into the... The refs didn't blow this game for the Cowboys. Cowboys obviously lost this game for themselves. Um, they lost it from, like, day one. Uh, they lost it from the very beginning of, of it to the very end of it, unfortunately, and the way that they played. But um, I do want to go into what the Raiders actually did. Um Raiders actually, they had the opportunity to win everything. Um, they, I, I, I just feel so bad for Raider fans right now. I feel bad the fact that Raider fans had to even watch that game and watch their team lose, um, watch their team just get so annihilated when it came to ref refing calls. Talk about blaming the refs. Some of those pass interference calls, some of those, uh, 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 uh roughing the passer calls were were horrible for them. Uh, so I just, I, I feel really, really bad for Raider fans right now, uh, considering that they could have uh, won. Cowboys, Cowboy fans, man, stop blaming the refs because the refs actually did their job, which is so rare for me to say because in the NFL, like with all these different rule changes, it's, it's horrible to watch the game. Uh, because they are, it is a quarterback driven league. Uh, they are trying to protect the quarterback at all costs. And so many of these calls were just garbage. But yeah, do your job. It also didn't help though that your best defensive player was out with, uh, due to concussion protocol in, uh, Micah Parsons. I, I mean, that, that had to, that had to kill Cowboy fans' dreams in hopes of being, uh, advancing to the playoffs or advancing throughout these playoffs. I don't want to be too harsh on on Mike McCarthy, but <laughs> I mean, this is what the Cowboys fans should have expected when they hired him. I mean, this was kind of you're down twenty three to seven, fourth quarter of a of a playoff game, and the the signs were all there for something epic to happen. He kicks a field goal to make it twenty three to ten, so he cuts a two score game into a two score game. So that was the first sign. And then the game goes on. It's 23 to 17. And then on the flip side of it, Kyle Shanahan, it's fourth and one. You're at like probably like the 48 yard line. You can put the game away with a first down. 
and he he's in punt formation. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing there? Not to mention before that, the Cowboys had a fourth down and it's like, you're not, you're going to punt the ball. And then they do a fake punt, which worked, yeah. but it's like, why are you not just having your offense out there and going for it normally? Exactly. Why are you faking it? And then of course, the the infamous quarterback draw on fourth and um or sorry it was not a fourth down but with with uh 13 seconds left in the game and it's just like it's a head scratcher and then of course they try to blame the referees but it's like anybody with any semblance of of a a working brain is not going (laughs) to call a quarterback draw in that situation and it was just such a fitting way for a cowboy season to end san francisco was trying to give them that game i mean you don't want to go for it on fourth and one to put the game away i was unbelievably upset at kyle shanahan in that situation but you know it it ended up working out for them I don't know how how things are going to go in Green Bay for them because I think that they're going to need to play a much cleaner football game if they want a chance in Lambeau Field. But for the Cowboys, I mean, it was just a typical Cowboys meltdown. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, it it was kind of like a perfect way for them to finish out their uh, season. We got a big Monday night football, first ever Monday night football playoff game tonight at SoFi Stadium, Rams and Cardinals. Uh, And when we come back, we are going to hear from Sean McVay and some players about that. So let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we're going to talk about the big Monday night football Rams Cardinals game tonight at SoFi Stadium. When we come back right here on the mightier 1090 ESPN radio and the fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Again, big Monday night football game tonight. The first ever Monday night football playoff game. The first ever playoff game on um, MLK Day. Um, And uh, again, Rams-Cardinals tonight. Monday night football. And before that game... I'm going to play for you some sound that uh, we, we, we talked to Sean McVay and Odell Beckham Jr. yesterday about the significance of that game, playing the game on Monday night, going up against the Cardinals. And if the Rams find a way to win, they are on to Tampa Bay. So now let's listen to Sean McVay and to Odell Beckham Jr. Hey, Sean, can you give us an update uh, on your injury status and what it looks like going maybe into Monday? Yeah, um, so... Everybody's good except for, uh, you know, Rap is uh, still working through stuff. So we're going to, um, you know, he's going to be out for the game, which is a big loss for us. Um, but uh, he's doing everything in his power to get back as quickly as possible. And then Buddy Howe with his hamstring will be doubtful. Everybody else should be good. How's uh, Eric Weddle coming along? And do you anticipate that come by Monday he'll be uh, on the active roster and contributing in the game? Uh, yes, he's he's coming along great. And, and yes to that. Um, been really... Uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, Weddle's it really, you guys know, I mean, you guys made him stay on his conference call for an hour the other day. He's hard not to love. And um, no, he did. He's done a great job. Lindsay. He's brought up a, a great energy. He's a great communicator. He's a great leader. And um, you know, he'll be ready to go. What exactly that role looks like. Um, you know, we're still working through kind of got a lot of confidence in Nick Scott and Terrell Burgess as well. We didn't make him do that. He did that. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and finally, Sean, just, 
a lot of the times the vibe around there kind of just picks up intense intensity and urgency once you get into the playoffs. Do you, do you feel that this week from your team? Um, you know what I, I love about this team, Lindsay, I think guys consistently go to work. I think there's definitely a clear understanding of, um, you know, what the circumstances are in terms of, Hey, you win, you advance. And if we don't take care of business, then the season's over. So, um, I'd like to think that our guys are always very focused, um, have great concentration. We got the right kind of guys, but I think you just know, uh, the stakes are higher, but you know, the, the level of, uh, you know, urgency at practice has been consistent with what it's always been. Thanks, Sean. You're welcome. Good morning, coach. Um, James Conner, uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, what makes him so difficult to try to contain and, and defend and what makes him so elusive, especially in that running game? Yeah, I'll tell you what, um, <clears throat> excuse me, my, I'm losing my voice from having to yell in that tent uh, with all the other noises in the background and meeting and stuff, but we'll take it. So here's here's um, here's what makes him great, Nick, is, uh, you know, you look at his career in Pittsburgh, he was a tough, physical, downhill runner, and I couldn't be more impressed with the versatility that he's displayed with the situations and the opportunities he's been given in Arizona. He's a really gifted player out of the backfield. He's got a great feel in the screen game. He can make plays, you know, catching the football, intermediate down the field. I mean, you saw the one-handed snag that he had against us the last time that we played them. So I think it's the versatility, the ways that he's able to be utilized. Obviously, he's got a nose for the end zone, but uh, I think the contact bounce, all the things that made him great in Pittsburgh, and then he's also given opportunities to show what a complete player he is. And I think he and Edmonds are an excellent one-two punch. And also another question for you and the, the recent turn of events as far as there being only one current blackhead coach in the NFL. You've been coaching for quite some time, obviously been around the NFL ranks for even longer. What do you feel like needs to happen? Is it something that the coaches need to come together on and speak about this issue as far as the lack of opportunities or the lack of having black coaches and coordinators in the NFL or having opportunities to be uh, coaches in the NFL? Yeah, I think it's very important to, you know, to acknowledge that you know, when I, you know, I feel so fortunate that I'm around great coaches and then a lot of these guys happen to be, uh, you know, African-American, but, you know, really we got great coaches and there's a lot of great coaches, um, you know, that this league has to offer. And I know firsthand from the guys that are on our staff. I mean, and, and, you know, my understanding is a couple of those guys are going to get an opportunity to compete for some of these jobs. Um, but I know, you know, like you look at Raheem Morris and what he's meant to me as a mentor, as somebody. And so, um, it is something that you're disappointed. You want to do whatever you can to help, um, you know, have that go in the right direction. But there's a lot of great coaches. Um, and hopefully those guys get an opportunity to compete for some of those jobs uh, that I think some are deserving of, uh, you know, being in those roles. Hey, Sean, um, on yesterday's injury report, it looked like Van Jefferson was uh, maybe a little bit, had maybe a little bit of a setback. Are you able to expand on that? And I know you said they're good to go, but is he, would he be limited anyway with that shoulder? You know, uh, you know, he should be good. You know, he, he just, he was just feeling a little off. Um, you know, we just wanted to check and I think sometimes when you get the clarity from some of the, you know, scans or whatever, you know, it can kind of just give you that sense of peace. And he's such a tough competitor, Jordan. Um, he'll be good. And then, um, with Eric, I mean, what's a realistic, you've seen him work and, and move and, uh, seen as kind of his football legs at this point. Um, what's, what's like a realistic, workload for him in this regard, especially in light of, of you guys needing some depth there this week. Yeah. You know, uh, we've talked about that a lot with Eric, with our coaches and uh, there's a lot of ranges and I think a lot of it will be feeling for the game. Uh, like I said, you know, you do have tremendous confidence in those other guys, you know, Burgess has played good football. Nick Scott's played a lot of really good football for us, Jordan. So 
Um, there'll be situations and circumstances and then Eric's ability to communicate to us. But, um, you know, I do know as a competitor, when he's out there, if he's going and he gets into the flow, he's going to want to go. And, uh, you know, if he's feeling good and, and there's no risk and, and we're in a really and, and we're in a good flow, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of just take it a snap at a time. But I think it's hard for me to realistically put a parameter around it because this is something that's never been done before. You know, it could be 10, could be 30. You know, I think, uh, you know, in a lot of instances, too, it depends on, you know, what type of uh, personnel groupings that we're presenting to the Cardinals offense as well. And just real quick follow up for me on that. Um, is it? Is there a benefit to, I mean, let's say it doesn't go that way and there's, you know, you guys are, are grooving in another package or sub package. Is there benefit to having him on the side, even diagnosing, communicating and helping with that communication flow? There's no question. Yeah. You just said it. I mean, his, his ability to communicate, his ability to be able to kind of instill confidence in the teammates around him because of, you know, how smart, how cerebral uh, he is. There is no question that, uh, when he's on the grass, he ends up being an extension of the coaching staff because of the way he's always approached the game. And there's definite benefits that he can provide just being present, whether that be on the field or off the field with these guys. Uh, hi, Sean. Uh, being around Stafford this week, do you get the sense uh, that anything is different as he comes up to uh, the game or games by which uh, a lot of people are going to judge his entire first season with the Rams? Yes, I will. But, there you go. All right. But other, no, I mean, <laughs> no, I, you know, like Kevin, he is, uh, he has been steady. He's been consistent. He's been the same. Um, and he's very confident in his ability to go out and play really good football for us, just like I am. And, um, you know, I think one of the, my favorite things about Matthew is how refreshingly secure he is in himself. There's a total respect for the jobs that you guys have to be able to do, but you know, we want to do everything we can to be able to win this football game. Uh, kind of like I mentioned the other day, the results, uh, you know, when a quarterback plays well, he can have a big, big hand in it, but it's not exclusively on that. We're looking forward to playing a good, clean game as a team. And, uh, you know, Matthew's going to be an instrumental part of that. I, I feel good about it. He obviously had a, a, a good regular season for you uh, by some standards, his best season in the NFL. Uh, is it fair then if, uh, if, if, we, if we judge him by what happens next? Yeah, I, I think that there's so many layers to play in the quarterback position, Kevin, um, and to exclusively just rate whether we win or lose this game on how that pertains to his performance. Um, I think it's short-sighted, you know, and, and I think you got to be able to put some context around it. You know, we'll be able to have a better discussion on 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 how we played and, and what the game ended up happening. But um, there's a reason why you play 17 games. He helped us, you know, win a division. He was a huge part of that. Um, and kind of like I had mentioned earlier on in the week, you know, I just have tremendous respect for how much goes into this position and how much he has learned and really taken ownership on everything that we're asking that was totally foreign a year ago, you know, and even less than a year ago. And so he's only getting better. I think he's done a great job leading. He's, you know, his teammates love him. His coaches love him. And so um, I know, guy, I know that this team is excited about the opportunity to compete against a great football team. See if we can do everything in our power to let it all hang out and go advance. And uh, and I know Matthew feels the same way, but I think he's had a successful season. We want to go as far as we can take this thing, Kevin, but um, I don't think it's exclusively a reflection of what occurs moving forward. And, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion on that, and I totally respect that. And then just quickly, is Troy Reader the defensive signal caller? It's looking like there's a good chance of that. Hey, Sean. Um, 
just wanted to know, are there any particular challenges when you're facing an op- a playoff opponent that frankly has had not played well down the stretch and lost a lot of games? Uh, is there anything particularly challenging when you're facing a team like that? I, I think it's a challenge because this is a good football team. You know, I, I, I saw him a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, you know, beat a, a really, really good Dallas team at Dallas. Um, you know, they went wire to wire and I don't care what Seattle's record is. That's a really good football team. We know that. And so, um, I got a lot of respect for this team. They've done a great job. You know, it's, you've heard me say this before, Gary, this is a good, this team was good enough to get in. They won 11 games out of their 17. They beat us earlier in the year. We, we had to play really well to get after them at their place. And it's going to be who plays the best in that three hour window. You know, really nothing that occurred prior to has anything to do with what's going to go on in that three hour time frame. Um, and we've got to be able to execute and be in the moment and enjoy the op that these guys have earned. Yeah, Sean, um, you've had Odell now for a couple of months. What's impressed you most about him in, in the time that he's been around? Um, you know, I, I think it's just the consistency with his daily approach, Jim. You know, I, I mean, there's not one thing that I can point out. It's how smart he is. Obviously, he's so gifted and talented. What a good teammate he is. Um, he's been a real joy to be around, Jim. I've, I've really enjoyed it. He brings definitely a swagger and a confidence to our team and he's fun to be around. And so there's just so many things that I've really enjoyed about being able to work with him. And then he's really got some great experiences and great perspective. You know, you listen to he and Cooper talk amongst one another with the resumes that those guys have built and kind of really just being able to um, kind of sharpen each other. It's been fun. He's been really coachable. I think Eric Yarber does a great job with that room, but um, it's all of those things, Jim. I think it's just the entire body of work. And how he comes in every single day, um, you know, he's got a zest for life, and that's a good thing. Thank you. You're welcome, Maria Day Kurt. Hey, Sean, we've seen Jalen Ramsey turn into a leader over time, and he shared with us yesterday that Eric Weddle has been kind of, you know, really kind of like texting him, saying things to him to to really kind of motivate him or call him out on stuff. How important is that for even one of the leaders on the team to get that input from other players? I think it's huge, you know, and, and Jalen's a guy that, um, you know, when he respects you, I think he always had tremendous respect for Eric because the way he carried himself, his body of work on the field and, and Eric similar to Jalen is very straightforward, but there's an emotional intelligence when they deliver that information that it's received the right way. And I think Jalen respects that, you know, those guys that are the best at what they do, as you know, Maria, you know, they want to be coached hard. They want to be demanded, um, you know, excellent snap in and snap out, just like they demand of themselves. And I think when you do that um, and he's feel, and I think he always felt like Eric really poured into him because Eric cares about his teammates. And you could see the immediate respect and rapport they had for one another as soon as we traded for Jalen in that 19 season. And, and then they've kept in touch because that's the type of guy that both those guys are type of person that they both are. Thank you, Sean. You're welcome. Hey, Odell. Uh, This might seem kind of like a simplistic question, but what's it like for you personally to be back in the playoffs? Uh, I mean, it's everything you you work hard for. It's for this opportunity. And uh, right now it's just about fine-tuning your skills and locking in on all the details. Um, And just excited about the opportunity we have in, in, in front of us, you know. Uh, be back in the playoffs is a very good feeling. When you decided to sign with the Rams, this was obviously the goal, but now that it's here, how do you feel like you've progressed uh, in what's really a very short time with the team? 
but just day to day, just finding ways to gel, put the work in, and just happy to see it all finally come together. And now it's time, you know, the season starts um, right now at this very moment. So, like I say, honestly, it's just, it's hard to answer. I'm just looking forward to the opportunity um, and, and just ready to play. And last one for me, but just based on what you saw from the Cardinals defense the last time around, what are you expecting perhaps to be the same or perhaps to be different um, from what they give you guys as looks? I feel like they're a very confident team within, uh, you know, what they do and as they should be, they're a very good defense. Um, so I expect them to, you know, make their tweaks and, and corrections, but to to be similar and true to their, their core um, about the way that they would go about this game. Uh, and and just gonna it's gonna be two two dogs fighting and um, one's got to come out on top. Perfect, thanks. Um, a lot of guys had talked throughout this year about um, you know when when all of the chaos was sort of swirling around you guys through December about the importance of being where your feet are and, and keeping the routines the same or as similar as possible in the playoffs. How do you keep everything the same? How do you keep everything in front of you um, and stay present? Uh, I mean, it's tough to answer, but I think you just do it. Um, you know, you, you just go about your day um, as if it was any other day. Lock in on the details, fundamentally sound, all those things, and just know that this is the last given opportunity you have for the season. Obviously, the same as in week one, you want to win that game. Week two, you want to win. Every game, you want to win. I don't think anyone steps on that field to to compete and lose and be okay with it. So the goal is to win. As you were working your way into this offense and, and obviously doing that, you know, on the run, essentially, as, as this team's trying to make uh, make a run. Um, were there like sort of uh, building blocks for you? Did you take it in increments? And if so, maybe what are some things that you have down now that were really important to you to get down right right away? I think just over time, you um, you you kind of get a grasp of the concepts and things that are going on with repetition. You, you gain more knowledge um, and just kind of, you know, not being as involved earlier to being sitting back to watch and figure out what's going on. And now, you, you know, you've been tossed in the fire, you've been in the action. Definitely just have a better understanding of, of where we're at and where I fit in and um, the scheme and the offense and just got to find ways to make plays this week. That's, that's really all that matters is just making, making plays. Thanks, Odell. Kevin. Morning, Odell. Um, you said a few minutes ago this, the season starts right now. Um, are you comfortable with the idea that uh, for some of the new Rams, you, Vaughn, uh, Matthew Stafford, um, no matter how much success you had in the regular season, uh, your, your first season with the Rams will be judged by what happens in the next uh, one to four games? Um, absolutely. You know, it, it just is, it's the nature of it. You know, these are the moments that you, as a kid, you waited for, um, you prayed for, and now have the opportunity to play for. Um, and that's really all that matters is being great in these moments. You know, regular season is cool, but, you know, there's teams that made it in and they're nine and eight. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, the, the regular season, you know, I don't want to say it doesn't mean anything, but everything is is about this weekend and, and um, just got to come out and put our best ball out, put our best ball on the field. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of that about how players are going to be judged by the postseason probably goes double for Matthew Stafford. 
um, what do you guys need to uh, need to get from him to go a long way in the playoffs? Um, I think it's just everything he's he's brought through the regular season, and then the same with the rest of us. It's just a little more. It's it's just a little more. Everybody needs to bring that to the table. Um, I had this clip that I had found on Instagram, but I forgot to send it to him. It was he threw a pass to Calvin, and I think he got down on the one, and he's trying to get everybody lined up to uh, clock the ball, and he's telling everybody clock, 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 and then he <laughs> hikes it and jumps over the um, for 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 a touchdown. And just seeing that energy and just um, I think that's the the little bit more. We all need to have a bit of intensity and, and hunger, but I don't think it's anything that we're all not capable of. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We'll wrap with Gary, Claudia, and then Kirk. Big rap. Hey, Odell. Um, just want to, you know, you've talked a lot uh, since you got here about um, having had the, getting the opportunity to play with Von Miller. Um, what's it like to be able to go into the playoffs together on the same team? It's hard to answer that. It doesn't, doesn't really make sense. You know, we've trained for, for years with each other. Um, and we've always joked about, you know, man, we're going to be on the same team one day and we're going to be on the same team. And it's like, here we truly are, um, you know, on the same team, Los Angeles Rams. Um, and just ready to to find a way to scratch, claw, and fight for that W. Uh, and just when I when I'm out there and I'm watching, I'm seeing him come up with plays. Uh, it just brings me joy. You know, this is my brother, um, and, and we're having an opportunity to do something special. So. so. Opportunities right there in front of us. All right. That was Sean McVay. That was Odell Beckham Jr. Again, 5 p.m. Monday night football playoff game tonight. Again, we've never said that before. We've never had a Monday night football playoff game, but it should be a fun one at SoFi Stadium. Cardinals beat the Rams last time they played at SoFi. The Rams beat the Cardinals last time that they played each other earlier this season, and it all comes down to this one game. Again, the Rams want to come back to SoFi Stadium, play in the Super Bowl at home. To do that, they got to win tonight, and then if they do, they are on the road to Tampa Bay and then playing, hopefully, we'll see the winner of that uh, Packers-San Francisco 49ers game. So we'll see what happens. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code RESTful15. So head to B-O-L-L and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details details.